everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. This is The Drive <laughs> with Larry Hardesty. No yelling on the bus. There's lots of yelling. There were celebrations earlier on the bus because the Giants defeated the Los, An- the Las Vegas Raiders. But now in the back of the bus, uh, these Knit fans are not real happy. Not real happy. Hardesty until midnight on 98.7 ESPN. Join me, 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Well, you just heard it right here. Pat O'Keefe brought it down to you. Broke it down. This is, and, and here's the scary thing about the Knicks. And we knew coming in that there was going to be some time that you need to gel, right? And it's only 10 games. So there's no need to panic, okay? There's going to be ebbs and flows with this team until they understand the chemistry between each other, until they understand principles, until they understand defense, until they understand and remember what makes good offense, there's going to be nights like you have tonight. And I think the frustrating thing for a Nick fan like myself is you saw how they played second half <laughs> against Milwaukee, and you're like, okay, now they found themselves, right? Let's see if they can go on a little run here. They've got a Cleveland team at home. And listen, Cleveland's played well. I mean, they came into the into the game tonight 6-4. and four. So they haven't been terrible. They've been very good away from Cleveland, where now they're 5-3. and three. So it's been a situation where you can see that this is this is not a bad Cleveland team. It's it's a middle of the road team that right now you would look at as possibly being fighting for one of the play-ins. All right, at the beginning of the season, you would think, oh, like Cleveland, okay, they're going to fight for one of the playing games. And, you know, the coaching staff over there, because staff and his crews have done a nice job. They've got these guys playing well. That's a young group. Uh, Jared Allen has been, as advertised, he's been dominant in the paint. Mobley today was just incredible on both sides of the basketball, offensively from the three. And also defensively, uh, just being a, a pain, <laughs> a shot blocker, rebounder, intimidator, he did all of that. And so this is a nice team. So you're thinking going in, okay, this is a game the Knicks can win. And oh, by the way, they have a back-to-back and then they go to Philly on Monday. So you're looking at this and you're saying, like, hopefully they're not, okay, hopefully they're not, looking ahead to Philly. And I don't think they were. I just think that this was a Nick team, and this is a Nick team that is learning what is and when is a good three. Yeah, they got defensive issues. I know they do. We'll put that aside. Okay, let's put that to the side for right now. Offensively, they're trying to figure out what is a good three and what isn't a good three. And when you look and you see how badly they've shot from three in the past couple of games, your thinking is, okay, like nine of 31 tonight, put the ball on the deck and go to the basket. And that's where Mobley and Allen came in to try to to deter them from going to the basket. So what they ended up doing is settling for the three. And so... That's the offensive side of it. The defensive side of it was just one of those things. You had <laughs> Ricky Rubio had one of those unconscious nights. And the closeout of the three-pointer was not good. It's been inconsistent all year defensively. So that's got to be worked on, and it will get better. Believe me, they'll be practicing it enough. It will get better. And the other part of this is the nuances of defending it and because defenders are allowing offensive players to get past them because they know that Mitchell Robinson is back there and Nerlens Noel is back there. So when their player, when they go to help them out, 
the person that they're defending, Robinson on the well, now goes to the basket. So there's got to be that trust. There's got to be that communication. There's got to be that conversation. But once again, it's Tom Thibodeau. So I'm sure we'll work this out. I want to hear what you have to say. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Until midnight at 1-800-919-3776. Want to hear from you. We're starting with the Knicks. At 10 o'clock, we'll be joined by Rich Samini. He'll put a post-mortem on the Jets for this week. And <laughs> since Buffalo was upset by the Jacksonville Jaguars, oh, this is not the week you want to play the Bills. <laughs> but so be it. So we'll turn our attention to the National Football League at 10 o'clock, and then we'll chat with you all night long or whatever you want to talk about, be it a little baseball, be it, be it a little boxing. The Canelo fight last night, he's so good. He, he And we'll talk about it a little later, but he is just, oh, he's got all, he's got all the hardware now. He, he, needs, he needs like four or five guys just to walk behind him to carry all the belts that he's got. <laughs> that was a good fight, though. That was a good fight. Good fight. 1-800-919-3776. Before I get to the calls, let me just finish on the Knicks. So the thing that really that that really has me concerned is, and before, before I finish my thought, let me just tell you, the Titans have scored a touchdown. Got an interception as, um, you know, we're trying to avoid getting the safety. The safety would have been better. <laughs> Come on. Safety would have been better in the end zone. You would have got sacked the safety, two points. You end up trying to get rid of it, the pick. And Tennessee now has a 6-3 lead extra point pending. So the frustrating thing for me is players continue for the Knicks. And I know they've gone through it, and I understand it. And I know they know better, but it's just sometimes the way they are off balance or whatever's happening. But it's very simple. You can't go under screens when the guy's hot, especially from three. You got to go, you got to either, either you fight to go above the screen or what you do is the person that is defending the guy that's screening, you, he takes a step to the, to close out on the three-pointer, the three-point shooter, and you, who were defending the three-point shooter, defends the guy who set the pick. I mean, that's one way to do it. There's other ways, of course, but that's just you can't continue to go on the screen when the guy's hot like that, and Rubio was unconscious. I mean, he was eight of nine from three, and he didn't miss the, the, he didn't miss the ninth one until the game was over. He had eight straight, and he didn't even start the game. He came in off the bench. Oh, I, I just tell you, it's 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 so frustrating watching that because you're helpless, and because of that, now you're sending another person over to try to get the ball out of his hands, and then once you start double teaming and you're you know you don't have your communication and you're switching and you and then people going right to the basket, and you know the big man comes over, and then to help the cut off the pass or cut off the defender driving to the basket. They have a nice dish, the, 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 you know, the give and go, the pass and dish, driving dish, just killed the Knicks all night. Killed them. Killed them all night. There were some positives, though. There were some positives. We'll talk about that a little bit later. 1-800-919-3776. Let's start out with Kevin in Huntington. Kev, you're up first on the drive. Hey, how you doing? So I got two questions to ask. Um, first question Obviously, Clinton Grimes, 12 minutes in the game, two or three from three. Are we going to maybe hope Tibbs maybe put some more maybe on Quickly's minutes? Because as we're seeing now with Quickly, had a decent game, but he's launching threes that you're not expecting. And, you know, Grimes has a great stroke. So I'm hoping maybe down the line, if, if Quickly keeps launching threes that aren't good shots, maybe you give Grimes those minutes and make Quickly kind of understand that, yo, you need to make better shots and better contentions. Um, do you think that maybe that's a possibility? And then second question is, I feel like this team is such a reliable, when it comes to offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds, Mitchell Robinson is butterfingers to me. 
And as soon as all we do a lot, stand around on a on a jump ball, hope that he gets it, and it's just it's butterfingers where the other team is always grabbing the rebound. So what do you think needs to happen in regards to the defensive off rebounding portion when it comes to Mitch? Noel, because you've seen a lot of butterfingers when it comes to seven. Mo Bamba, even M Moby tonight, you know, out rebounding us when we should be the the ones dominating the boards. Well, in this case tonight, though, to be fair, Kevin, they have a pretty, and thanks for the phone call, they have a pretty solid and pretty tall physical front line. Cleveland does. I mean, Jared Allen has been averaging, got to be 11, 12 boards for the past couple of games. He he might be averaging that for the season. I mean, he's been he's been a guy that, that that's what he does. So the game tonight, their front line was, was formidable. I mean, look at the stats. You had, um, let me see, you had, Mobley had nine rebounds. Allen had 17. So the two of those guys gave you 26 rebounds right there. And Allen, they, they gave you 26 total rebounds and nine off the offensive glass. All right. And that's a lot of that was because of the doubling. You're trying to do this. The guy's missing, you know, people getting past you, going to the basket, you know, and, and the driving, the ball rolls out and then they go up and they, they slam it in. So, I understand what you're saying about Mitchell Robinson. Sometimes he does seem like he, you know, doesn't, you know, doesn't hold on to the to the ball all the time. But I mean, the guy had got five blocks, seven rebounds, and eight shot and eight points. I mean, he's he's not a scorer for you. That's not what he does. Okay, and now you're looking at him defensively. I don't think that's I don't think that's what killed you tonight. I really don't. What killed you tonight was your three-point shooting. I mean, that's what really, really wore you out was your three-point shooting. I mean, you were 9 of 31. You shot 29% from three. Okay? They shot just over 54% from three. You're not winning when you're giving up that that amount of points. You're just not. It's just very hard to do. Uh, As far as minutes are concerned, listen, the the reason that Grimes got minutes tonight was – a, because Thibodeau just wanted to see if somebody could do anything with Ricky Rubio. That's A. B, remember that with uh, Kimber getting the night off, Rose was the starter, so that moved uh, quickly up to be the, the num- first guard off the bench. So he ended up being the number two guard tonight. That's not going to happen a lot. Now, does, is this something that Thibodeau puts in the back of his mind? For, you know, on, on games when, okay, Rose gets the, the rest night or Kimber gets the rest night again? Possibly. Because he's going to look at what you do defensively first. And we know Grimes can shoot the three. We know that. Stafford with another pick. Pick six. And uh, Tennessee now up 14 to three. So it could be. Uh, but really, when you think about it, quickly didn't play badly. This is probably one of his better games. At 12 points all in the fourth quarter, five assists. Yeah, he shot some threes. Uh, he was hitting a couple of them. And then he might have gotten a little carried away, but now you're really trying to cut into the lead as the time dwindles. And that was the other frustrating thing. You know, they're trying to – they're hitting th- – you're hitting threes and you're cutting into the lead, and they come right back down and they don't answer with two. They answer with three. I mean – Corner threes, they, they killed you. It just killed you. And most of them uncontested because either somebody was doubling on Rubio or it was, just, it was just one of those nights. It was one of those nights when a guy who's hot and you're trying to calm him down, you're trying to cool him off, and he's just, he has taken over the game. So he, So from a scoring, scoring standpoint, okay, that's what Ricky Rubio did. From a front court standpoint, Mobley and Allen changed the way the Knicks play. Because normally they would go down and they would go into the paint and try to get some things done. And they, they altered shots. They, and here's the thing. They didn't have a lot of blocks. I mean, between the two of them, right? Mobley and Allen had one block. But they, but they altered so many shots. They altered so many. And that was the troubling thing that you had. 
And that started out. They started to push the basketball, get down the court. And then, you know, wide open three, bang, there you go. Frustrating. Very frustrating night if you're a Nick fan. 1-800-919-3776. Spike is in St. Pete. Joins us next on 98.7. Hey, Spike. Hey, I'm going to be quick tonight. I'm a little under the weather, but that's not the half step in quarter. Feel better. Feel better. I'm trying. I'm I'm doing the best I can. You know know the situation. Uh, Buddha Buddha has been, I told him this team is going to, you know, kick the Knicks' ass tomorrow night. So much went wrong. And I kept thinking of you, and I told my buddy from uh, Beaver from City College, don't bother me tomorrow. I'm getting some rest. I want to break down that game. He said, Anderson Windows goes over screens better than that. That's good. What the hell were they doing there, man? Under the screen. They all all go under the screen, Spike. You never go Ah. under the screen when you got a hot three-point shooter. You can't go under the screen. And Julius Randle went back to that chuck and duck, and the boxing out was abysmal. Must have killed you as a as a rebounder in, in college. Yeah, you know, every time they – and I listen, look, look, Rubio, I can write a diatribe on that guy. He's one of the fanciest passes. And one thing he never could do was shoot or defend. Until tonight. And, and they just <laughs> let him go. Put Knox in there and let him take a flagrant two. To do something, they showed no heart. They had nothing tonight. And Barrett followed the Randall's lead. The the, the easy putbacks by Mobley and uh, what's the kid with the yeah the Afro? I forget his name. Jared Allen. So the, yeah, I mean they they just controlled the boards. Dominated. I mean it's last two last two games, twenty five percent and twenty nine percent from three. Stop yeah. shooting the damn ball. Do something. This team, I'll tell you, they're lucky they got a game tomorrow night. They have blisters after a four-hour practice. <laughs> and I'm very disappointed. And, and when you move up, and Buddha said it to me. He said it to me uh, just as the game ended. you got to increase your defense on the starting lineup because yeah. you can't tell me putting Rose in the starting lineup uh, it increases the defense because right. I love Rose. He's the heart and soul, and he's the best player on his team. He still can get mm-hmm. to the basket anytime he wants. But yes. Rose doesn't increase your defense, and, and they were, Kemba and Rose are washed to me. They both can't defend. This was, this was so embarrassing. Embarrassing to me. And my buddy said, and I'll leave you with that, and I'm going to listen to the callers. That's what I got to look forward to. Thank God, all these wonderful extended family members I have. My buddy said to me, you know, don't they understand that when when you're down in the game, you change something? They didn't change anything, mm-hmm. nothing. They must have got outscored by 20 points in the third quarter, and I'll talk to you later in the week. Uh, okay, Spike, thanks for the phone call. 15. They were outscored 33-18 in the fourth, and they were outscored 37-38. Uh, I'm sorry. They were outscored 33-18 in the third, 37-34 in the fourth. But that 15-point change is they were fighting uphill. And once again, here's the scary thing, what you're looking at. All right? And this has been a trend for them. They, they give up a lot of points. It's seemingly like they give up a lot of points in one quarter. And it happens. It's the NBA. Okay, we get that. We get that. You're going to have nights where teams just get hot. You can't defend any. You can't defend everybody. You're not going to stop everybody from shooting. You can't. The game is not made that way. But you've got to, as Spike said, you've got to try to make some adjustments when you give up 37 points in the third and then another 37 in the fourth. And you're shooting, what, 20% from three? You're not winning that game. And they didn't. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Also via Twitter at hardest the ESPN at ESPN NY ninety eight underscore seven FM. Talking Knicks right now. We'll turn our attention to the National Football League in the next hour. We'll also bring the uh, Net fans in because very quietly, very quietly, the Nets are playing much better. And yeah, I, I get it. And what the difference is? Listen, you got a great player like Kevin Durant which they do, and once again today. <laughs> I mean, his stats are just amazing. 
30, 31 points in 37 minutes. And here's what jumps out at you. And, and I say it, and I know I say it over and over and over again. I don't have a choice because that's how good he is. He's so efficient. Efficient. 11 of 18. Not a lot of wasted shots. Not a lot of missed shots. Three of six from three. I mean, he's just, he, he's effortless. It just looks like there's no effort in what he does. He is such a tremendous offensive player. And yeah, he's a good defender too. We don't talk about his defense as much as we should because he can play both sides of the, of, of the basketball. He is great. He's great. But what has really helped them, the Nets get squared away, and they're going to be good. They're going to be okay. You know, we knew that anyway. I mean, they're seven and three. But uh, James Harden is is back. All right, 10 of 20. Three of 10 from three, you know, the percentage has got to get better. But once again, 10 rebounds from Harden, eight assists, 28 points. I mean, that's what that's what he does. Right? And very quietly, Blake Griffin continues to be a force. 14 points, 11 boards. He's giving you what you want. You want that, you want that physicality. And he's, he can play small. So if you have a big guy, he can pull them out because of what he brings to the table. He shoots the three occasionally. And listen, Joe Harris is, you know, been pretty good this part of the season. So, obviously, they miss Kyrie Irving, but they can play well enough that they can win despite his absence. In the postseason, you might, you know, you might need him a little bit more than you do in the regular season. And there's some matchups that you really wish you had him, clearly. But uh, the Nets are just rolling right now. Now, they're not getting a lot off their bench. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge risked the first bad game. He's, had, he's been playing well. And, uh, you know, Patty Mills has been – Patty Mills was the only guy in double figures for them off the bench, but all the starters were in double figures. So it was okay. So what you got from your bench was, you know, perfect. And I knew when they got Patty Mills, that is that, – that's – he's really good. He's a guy that can shoot the basketball. He's a guy that can get to the basket. He's a good passer. He does a lot. And so the Nets play a Toronto, a Toronto Raptors team that's been pretty good. The Knicks saw them firsthand uh, last week, and they have a big physical front line as well. All right, so uh, this was a nice win for the Nets, who just continue to just right now stack wins, stack wins. And, you know, all that talk, and we were, we talked about them defensively uh, last season. And it really, when you talk about the Nets, you really don't have to worry about talking hardcore defense about them till the postseason. They can outscore who they need to, and they play enough defense that they will win games. So, I mean, you know, nice win for them. Uh, Nice win against Toronto. But the thing that, once again, that jumps out at me is just how really, really good. And listen, not that I didn't know Kevin Durant was good. Okay, it's clear. Not that I didn't know. It's not a, it's not breaking news. But it's just when you see him and, you know, you understand how serious that injury that he suffered was. And last year he came back and he looked like he didn't miss a beat. And this year he's just, he's, he's, he's just, he's just, it's effortless. That's all you can continue to say about him. It's effortless, you know, and he's just, he's just playing really, really well. And it's uh, it, it. This is going to be, and this is why the Knicks have to really understand and appreciate that they have a very thin margin for error, because this Eastern Conference is not last year's Eastern Conference. Teams have made adjustments to get better. All right, think about this. Right now, when you look at the standings. Philadelphia's up. They're eight and two. They've won six straight. So the Knicks can be aware of that when they go into uh, play Philly tomorrow night. The Heat is seven and two. And you knew Miami was going to be 
you knew Miami is always going to be good. And a lot of injuries last year that, that caused them to, to fall. But you knew Pat Riley was going to make some adjustments and, and get some other players. And he has. And this is a team that is that, that can score. And their defensive, their physical and their defensive principles have not changed. <laughs> have not changed. So they're they're scoring now. All right. Obviously, we mentioned Brooklyn seven and three. They're at number three. The Bulls are six and three, as are as were the Knicks before they came into uh, before tonight's loss. All right. Then you've got the Wizards. Okay. I'm sorry. You have the Cleveland Cavaliers at seven and four because they beat the Knicks tonight. Knicks six and four. Toronto six and five. Wizards are seven and three. They're fourth in, in the conference right now. Yeah, the Wizards. The Milwaukee Bucks, if the season ended today, are tied for tenth with Boston and Atlanta. Boston, Atlanta, and Milwaukee, four and six. So, of course, it doesn't mean a thing. It's early, but it just explains how deep this Eastern Conference is. So when you're the Knicks, you, you have to realize that this is not last season where you, you know, you may catch some teams off or people say, oh, the Knicks, they're not going to beat anybody. You just suffocate them defensively. It's not going to work. And you have more talent than you had last year, so the expectations are higher. You have better talent, and it's just a matter of, you know, getting everybody together, getting everybody on the same page, getting that chemistry rolling. So we'll see what happens when they face the Sixers. The interesting thing is they seem to play to the level of their competition, so we'll see what happens when they meet the Sixers tomorrow night. So this is an interesting week in the National Football League, right? Oh, by the way, it's the drive on 98.7 ESPN. Hardesty till midnight. See the Titans just rolling in. As Tannehill just on the... Nobody's near him. He just runs right in. It's now, with the extra point, 21-3. to This was one of those weeks in the National Football League, right? I mean where if you had a team that was atop the division, it, was, it wasn't easy. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how the Bills lost to the Jaguars today. And once again, we'll talk NFL next hour. And I'm still trying to figure out how the Broncos just dominated the Cowboys. I mean, just dominated them. Oh, Ray Santiago, not happy to see me. I know he isn't. I just got to deal with Rothenberg in the morning. Oh, that's a rough one. That's rough. Back to the phones. Rob's in Massachusetts. Hey, Rob, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry, how are you? It was good to talk to you. Uh, before I talk about the maybe a Ranger and Giant point, you know, I don't understand why Kemba Walker doesn't play tonight. This resting guys is just ridiculous. I'm sorry. I mean, I, this is just ridiculous. I'm sorry. The guy gets paid millions of dollars to sit on this rear end. I think it's ridiculous what they do, sitting, sitting guys like that. But the problem for me is, again, you know, I'm an old-school basketball guy, Larry. Can I ask you a stupid question? Why doesn't anybody post in the NBA anymore? Why don't guys play with their back to the basket? In other words, why can't the Knicks, instead of shooting stupid three-pointers, drive the lane? How many, can I ask you a question? How many – foul shots did the Knicks get in this game tonight? How many times did you go to the foul line? Uh, I'll tell you in a second, Rob. They okay. were uh, 22 of 24 from the So they got the line 24 times. Yes. So again, why can't they take the ball inside again? Why can't they break defenses down? Larry, I'm so tired of the three-pointer. It's so ridiculous. Think about this. They took 31 shots from 24 feet and nine of them. That's why they lost. Why, they had 54 points in the paint tonight. Why can't you go inside more? What do coaches teach in the NBA? And I've asked you this question before. What do coaches teach? The, the idea is to tutelage is to tell guys to shoot bombs from 24 feet every time they get to basketball? Or is it better to break down? Even the Golden State Warriors I watched the other night, they passed the ball at least four times even before they shoot threes. They give themselves options. The other thing, too, is 
you watch guys, they never put their hands up. Like when I was playing basketball, I'm, I'm short, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a short guy. And I used to put my hands up. You never see guys put their hands up. They're always at their side and stuff. I just don't understand. Uh, like, again, it just makes no sense to me when you have nobody plays with their back to the basket. All guys, five guys stand around at the perimeter watching one guy play. This is just stupid basketball. Like, I'll watch a guy take a three-point shot and miss it, and four guys are standing near the perimeter. Why does anybody drive to the basket to get a rebound or drive to the basket to get a pass inside? Anyway, real quick on the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Again, I've said this all year long. The Rangers, it's early in the season, but Kako gives you nothing. Lafreniere gives you up. He needs to be better off playing Hartford, playing all the time on the front line. Panarin has two goals. He's being paid $9 million a year, and it's ridiculous because the fact of the matter is the Rangers do not have enough guys, and I've said this before. This is why the Islanders have success in the playoffs. The Rangers need more north-south guys, so I'll look for Chris Drury to try to do something maybe during the season to try to get another winger on the right-hand side, put Kreider back on his left side, and, and get a guy, get some people who can just play below the goal line. They're constantly chasing the game. I haven't seen anything different from this year that I saw last year. The Rangers chased the game. And one thing about the Giants, Jason Garrett will drive me up a wall. I'm so tired <laughs> of the excuse about the offensive line. How about rolling Daniel Jones out? I'm not sold on Daniel Jones because he telegraphs too much, Larry. But mm-hmm. roll the guy out. Where was Tony and where was Galladay in the fourth quarter or even all game? Do you know that the Raiders ran 28 plays and, they, and the Giants outscored them 7-6? to six, And the Giants had the ball, I think, like hardly, hardly at all. They were less than 100 yards of offense. So I don't know what the answer is. Hopefully you get Barkley healthy. Hopefully you get Andrew Thomas healthy. Because that's the biggest key to me. Is the, the, the line's terrible. Nate saw that. They could just cut him. I don't care. He's not going to be the future. Just cut the guy. I know he's making a lot of money, Larry. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. I'll get your comments as always. Thanks, thanks again. All right, Rob. Thanks for checking in. Boy, you got a lot for me to talk about. All right. Let's start with, let's start with the Knicks first. Uh, they do have guys that drive to the basket. Rob, they do have guys that try to break down the defense. I mean, that's one of the things that R.J. Barrett has improved on this year. Derrick Rose is a guy who always puts the ball on the deck and goes to the to, to the basket. So they do have guys that do that. Uh, tonight, though, one of the problems that they had was, as, as we mentioned earlier, was the physical front line with Allen and Mobley. They were, they, they made it tough, all right? And when you've got a team that is shooting threes, okay, and you're shooting your threes, and, and they're shooting their threes and they're hitting them, you, you can't always answer threes with twos because you're still chasing. And they tried to go to the basket. and get they, the Shots rolled out. They didn't finish well tonight. And part of that was because the front line altered shots. And, yeah, they're not hot from three. But, but the three-pointer, Rob, I hear what you're saying. Three-pointer's here to stay in the NBA, my friend. It's not going anywhere. And that's why the Knicks had to make some adjustments this year to get some three-point makers because they were not shooting a bunch of threes last year and not shooting well. And because of that, it made their offense work a lot. They really had to work a lot. I mean, we saw Julius Randle post up a lot last year. So, yeah, I know what you're saying. I get it. And you would think maybe they would do that. And they do it sometimes when they're not hitting the three. They do go to the basket. There's a lot of alley-oops for Toppin. There's alley-oops for uh, Noel. There's alley-oops for Mitchell Robinson. They do a little better job than I think you give them credit for. Tonight, it just wasn't their night. Then tonight, give Cleveland credit. They, black, they, they, they really were dominant as far as defensively making them alter their shots in the paint. And the Knicks couldn't hit threes, and Cleveland was on fire for three. I mean, they shot 19 of 35. That's 54.3% from three. And the Knicks shot 20% from three. <laughs> That's the story. That's it. They couldn't do a thing. And, and when you break it down further, the defensive rotations weren't that great, and there's all other stuff. But those were the two, those were the two dominant factors in this game tonight just was and I think they are going to have to make some adjustments I mean the Titans are just the Rams can't do anything they can't hold the Titans out at all um they are going to have to make some adjustments when you when you have Derrick Rose start you need to do something a little different defensively because he struggles a little bit defensively but he is just so valuable 
with what he brings to the table offensively. And once again, it's just that communication. Okay, it's the communication because he goes under the screens. You can't go under the screens. You got to try to do something a little better. And I thought when Grimes came in, he gave you a little effort, fought through the screens a little bit. Okay, he did some things. So you like that. Uh, Rob, as far as the Rangers are concerned, listen, Rob, this Drury's just got the team. Let's see what he does. They'll make some adjustments. I think Gallant, you know, he's a very good coach. He's a former coach of the year guy. I hear what you're saying about them. I think they'll be okay. I think they'll make some adjustments. They'll make some trades if they have to. They'll do what they need to do. They have, But give them time to let this coach work with what he's got. Okay, and let's see what happens there. As far as the Giants are concerned, and as I mentioned, we'll talk football next hour. Uh, here's the thing. Today, take your hat off to the Giants defense. This was the defense that we expected to see. Okay, because the Raiders were in the red zone a lot. And what the Giants D was able to do was allow them to force them to take threes instead of sevens. And that's why the Giants won this game. Yeah, give give the offense credit. Yeah, they moved the ball a little bit. They did some things. But really, the Giant defense kept the Raiders out of the end zone. A Daniel Jones pick that should have been seven, only three. These, this is the reason why the Giants won today. And yeah, they're going to be better when they get Saquon Barkley back. Although, listen, they uh, they had a very, very talented uh, running back today named Devontae Booker, who did a heck of a job. And, and it tells you about the Raiders front because the Giants really haven't been running the football all that great other than Daniel Jones. Right? But today, Booker was able to do some things on the ground, and that's what opened up a lot and ate up a lot of ate up a lot of time, ate up a lot of the clock. But I mean, listen. <laughs> this was uh you the Giants went today because of their defense. <laughs> I'm begging, begging you, put your loving hand out, baby. I'm begging, begging you. It's the drive on 987 ESPN. Hardest to midnight at the top of the hour. We'll turn our attention to football. We'll be joined by Rich Samini. ESPN.com covers the Jets for us. Also, pilot for the Flight Deck podcast, all things Jets. We'll get his thoughts on uh, the Jets and also on the Buffalo Bills losing today to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we'll get his thoughts on that. Uh, Sunday Night Football, Titans still leading 21-3 over the Rams. Not a great half for Matthew Stafford. Not a great half for the Rams. <laughs> Not a great half. Not. We'll see what, the, they're, what adjustments they're able to make at halftime to see if they can get back into this game. I was talking a little bit earlier as we were talking about the NBA standings in the East and you, everybody made a move, right? Everybody did, did something. Everybody. And when you look at the heat and as a Nick fan, you know, you always got your eye on Miami because of that guy who runs it, who used to be here. That was the last person that was very helpful and involved in the Knicks sustainable success in the late nineties, sustainable success, not success, sustainable success. And that's Pat Riley. And up getting Kyle Lowry, another backcourt guy, another guy who, listen, he's got ring. A guy who has championship, a guy who knows what it takes to win. A guy who's willing to put his body on the line, and everybody knows that because all he does is take offensive fouls. <laughs> right? He does he does that great. And so when you add somebody like that, along with Tyler Hero, who is in his second year, you, you know, another player that is getting better, learning to play better, and Jimmy Butler. So you got now two really physical guys 
who know what to do, who know how to play this game. And you have a smart coach, smart coaching staff, guys who love to play physical basketball, guys who love defense. And you just looked and you said, you know what, they, they just need some more scoring. Miami is a, is a, remember, just two years removed from a championship. Right? Just two years removed from, from being in the finals. Before losing to the to you know the Lakers. So you understand they understand and know what it takes to win. And so they just added a little piece here and a little piece there. And it's a big difference. So when you have a Nick team that is so up and down, and while we applaud them, and while we're so happy and excited as Nick fans because of the way that they came back and just dominated Milwaukee in the second half that wasn't even close, you remember that they were down 11 nothing and down by 21 in that game. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the other part of it. That's the scary thing, that offensively this team goes through a lot of droughts. And that make you you're concerned. And last year, when you went through those droughts, your defense is what picked you up and helped you get some turnovers that led to some easy baskets that kind of got you back in games. And once again, it's early, but it's just what you see and realize that you're not going to have that same type of defensive pressure mentally night in and night out. It's just not. Not the, not the way it was last year. Because you have elevated, you've got more scoring. So you gave up some of that defensive intensity in exchange for extra scoring. And, and it will work out. I mean, it will. They will go through stretches where they will play the defense that you love to see. You saw it against Milwaukee. You saw it when they got physical. You saw it when they really made things tough. You saw it when they challenged the three. You saw it. You saw it when they grabbed the boards and became physical. So it can be done. It's there. But when you have so many new pieces on a team, it takes time. Right now, I'm just happy that I've got a team that gives me competitive basketball, that I have expectations, of course, that you know you want to win these games, clearly. But the expectation is at least they're in games. And you have an opportunity to try to win some of these games. And so, you know, yeah, you're disappointed for a game like tonight because you think, you know, you're home. You want to continue to, to try to build a reputation of, of folks coming into the garden and knowing that it's going to be tough tonight because we play well at home and this is our house and all the other stuff that, you know, goes on with, with that. But it's 10 games, so it takes a while. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. You just hope that tomorrow night when they play the Philadelphia 76ers, pregame right here following the Michael K Show at 6.30 here on 98.7 ESPN, that you'll have a better effort and you'll see that they'll look over the video and understand the mistakes they made and be ready for a very physical play because Joel Embiid, Robbie will like Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid loves to go in the paint. He can hit you. He can hurt you from the three, but he loves to go into the painted area as well. And so that's going to be a challenge. Fortunately, the Knicks have some depth at the center position right now. I mentioned earlier that there were some bright spots in the game for the Knicks. And one of the bright spots is, as we mentioned, Quentin Grimes. It didn't seem as though the moment was too big for him. He shot an air ball the first time, but he got himself back together. He hit a couple of threes, played 12 minutes, had a rebound, gave you six points, did a decent job defensively. So, 
you know, this is somebody that you, you, know, you hope that will eventually get more playing time. But he can hit the three, and that's important. And as long as he can defend moving speed as well as he did tonight against a very hot Ricky Rubio, you know, you might be able to see him a little bit more. Uh, Emmanuel quickly is starting to get his offense back together. It's not totally there, but he's starting to get his offense back together. Had a decent game against the, the Bucks. And tonight, in that fourth quarter, this is the IQ we saw last season. Going to the basket, hitting the floater, uh, able to hit a couple of threes, you know, breaking people down, getting into the basket, driving and dishing. So he's starting to get his jumper back. And he's got to do a better job defensively. Otherwise, you know, listen, uh, his minutes are going to go down. Because with Derrick Rose and Kimber Walker there, He's got to earn his minutes. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. You have to take care of the basketball. You got to play your defense and hit and take good shots and, and run the offense. And then you'll play. Again, it's just you love what you see from Obi Toppin. You just do. He's a guy that he's not selling for the three. He's got no problem. He's confident going to the basket, putting the ball on the deck, taking it to the rim strong. He's hitting his free throws. He hit all his free throws tonight. So he continues to improve. He does. Uh, You would love to see him, you know, eventually get that three-pointer going. But at this point, I'm happy he's not living and dying by the three. I'm just happy that he... He'll go outside. People think he's going to put up the three because of last year. He's got no problem putting the ball on the deck and taking it to the basket. I'm good with that. I am. I'm good with that. That's what That's what I like. So he continues to play well. So I just think that those were some of the positives that we saw tonight. Um, R.J. Barrett did not have a good night. Did not have a good shooting night. Three of 13, off six from three. He only had six points. And so that's why he that's one of the reasons why he was sitting on the bench while Tom Thibodeau was looking for somebody to give him some offense and try to get back into this game. And he sacrificed his defense out there on the floor for his offense. And he had four he had four turnovers and a couple of personal fouls. Uh, Evan Fournier had a had a decent he had a couple of early threes, but he he just seemed to not shoot the ball well. Uh, you know, five of thirteen. Two of seven from three. He didn't shoot the ball well, so that was an issue. But he was shooting well or had some turnovers. There were spots in this game where the Knicks just couldn't hold on to the basketball. They were just, I mean, turning the ball over and they looked so they looked like they hadn't played together at all. And I think that that was disturbing as well. But it's very simple. It's the best part about the National Basketball Association in that you play tomorrow. So for them, they'll put they'll watch video tomorrow, take the train or bus or however they're going down to Philly and get ready for the uh, Sixers. And this is a stretch where the Knicks are going to, you know, they've had some easy play, easy games, all right, so far in this schedule. Now the schedule is going to get a little tough. And that's why it was so concerning that they gave up leads and had to struggle and lost games like lost to Orlando and, you know, and lost to Toronto and lost to Indiana because you knew that the schedule was going to get a little tougher. All right, so you have Milwaukee again on Wednesday at Charlotte, then you're home for Indiana, home for Orlando, home for Houston at Chicago, and then, you know, you'll, uh, you'll see LeBron James. The West Coast comes in for a couple of games later this month where you've got the Lakers and the Suns coming in, and then you go to Atlanta and you've got the Nets at the end of the month. So this is the time where you get a chance to try to build your team, try to build some momentum, try to get to the place where you can you know, win some games, right? Try to, get to, try to take advantage of the schedule where you you may not play well, but you find ways to win, right? That, that's what you want to do during this time. Okay, we're not playing well. We're struggling a little bit, but we still steal some wins. And you learn from that. And that's what you want to do during this time slot. 
Well, we'll see what happens with the Knicks. When we return, we'll turn our attention to the National Football League. We'll talk about the New York Jets. Rich Samini will join us. We'll talk about uh, some of the games that happened in the National Football League today. A lot of upsets today. So we'll turn our attention to the NFL. That's next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number two of The Drive on a Sunday night. We're here until midnight on 98.7 ESPN. In the first hour, we talked a little basketball, talked about the Nick Laws, talked a little, talked a little bit about the Brooklyn Nets. Really focused on the NBA, but now we turn our attention to the National Football League. It was a wild day in the NFL. But I want to, because of what happened in Jacksonville and because of what happened on the field Thursday night, I wanted some sage advice. So when I need sage advice on the Jets, I turn to Rich Samini, who's been covering the Jets. He's got the experience. He's the dean of the reporters on the Jets. Also handles the flight deck on ESPN.com, and he joins us here on 98.7 ESPN. Good evening, Rich. How are you? Hey, Larry. Thanks for having me. I don't know about sage. But <laughs> uh, I am the dean of the writers, but I don't know if that makes, makes me uh, sage or anything like that. No, I, I r- play along, Rich. You, you give me sage advice. <laughs> okay, let's try. Let's try. So, first thing I got to ask you, what was it like to have a Sunday off? Uh, well, I did what a lot of other Americans did today. I watched football and I'm still <laughs> trying to make sense of. I, I don't understand how Jacksonville beat Buffalo. That's really I don't either uh, a head scratcher. But today was just one of those days in the NFL. I'm glad I'm not a better because. Uh, Today would have been one of the. Uh, I think a lot of people would have been knocked out of their suicide pools on that one. And uh, yeah, it's fun just to sit back and watch for a Sunday and, and not have to drive out to the stadium and just enjoy it a little bit. Rich, did you shake your head when you were glancing through that New England Carolina game with Sam Darnold? Have, have you seen that before? Oh boy, I was thinking <laughs> of the ghost game, and you know I felt bad for Sam, and I saw the video clip of Robbie going off. Yeah. You know, Robbie's obviously not having a good year either, and he's frustrated and. I hate to see it for Sam, but I mean, I think I think we all know what's happening down there. I mean, he might he could get benched this week, and certainly his future. It looks like he could be one and done in Carolina. I mean, uh, good for the Jets, I guess. You know, their those draft choices are, are getting lo- a little better each time Carolina loses. They have the second, you know, they have a two and a four from Carolina yeah. in, in next spring's draft. So, but from a personal level, you know, you hate to see it for Sam. Yeah, no question about it. He, he's a good guy. He's just he just struggles, Rich. It's, it's, and it's the same thing. You you look at the play. I mean, you look at the highlights. I'm looking at the red zone channel, and I'm like, what do you don't don't you see that guy? He's right there. He's right in front of your receiver. There's no way your receiver can make that play. Yeah, yeah, it is the same thing over and over. And you, you know, you thought he would mature. I really thought in the Joe Brady offense, you know, he would really. A play to his strengths, and, and but it's, it's the same stuff over and over again. And uh, we saw it for three years with the Jets. And I thought, you know, McCaffrey would have an impact on him. Obviously, he Sam played well in the first game against mm-hmm. the Jets when he was throwing to McCaffrey every other play, it seemed like. And uh, but just losing him for a while, I think Sam lost his confidence, and he just looks like uh, a broken quarterback right now. He really does. He really does. All right, Rich, uh, here's where the sage advice comes in. So I'm trying to figure this out. I'm looking at how uh, Josh Johnson played. I'm looking at how Mike White has played. I'm looking at the different type of play calling for Mike LeFleur with those quarterbacks. And now I'm looking and I'm saying, is it the play calling or is it Zach Wilson, Rich? Is it is it something they've seen that has altered the type of plays that they call in games when Zach Wilson's under center? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. In fact, that's what I, I spent part of my morning doing today is just <laughs> trying to look for something in these games, some sort of trend where you could say the last two games, aha, here it is, it's different. But I couldn't find anything different. Now, you, I know a lot of fans are saying, you know, certainly they've tried more gadget plays the last couple of weeks. But a lot of I thought they've been throwing on first down a lot more the last two weeks and showing more aggressiveness in the passing game. But actually, it's the same. It's the same the last two weeks as it was the first six in terms of throwing on first down. I checked 
the kind of personnel they're using, you know, and it's about the same between, you know, going with 11 personnel and 12 personnel. It's roughly the same percentage. The amount of times in shotgun, it's it's pretty much the same. Give a couple of uh, percentage points. So I don't think there's anything noticeably different in, in the trend of play calling. I just think you have a couple of quarterbacks who are reading things quicker, seeing the field better than Wilson was in the first six games. I think that is the primary reason. And you've got quarterbacks who are willing to throw the ball to their backs as opposed to trying to get the ball down the field. Well, certainly with Mike White, yes. I mean, mm-hmm. we saw that even in the Buffalo, I mean, the New England game where he came in when uh, when Zach got hurt. You saw him throwing a lot to the backs in that game. Obviously, in the Cincinnati game, he did that a lot. And uh, and then Josh Johnson. Did. It's really hard to quantify Josh Johnson's, you know, because I mean, it was most of that was garbage time, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I know Robert Sala said after the game that the Colts were playing the same coverages and they were really didn't take their foot off the gas, but uh, it, it's hard to, you know, obviously the Jets were throwing on most of those downs, and so it's really hard to quantify that. I, I thought Johnson played wonderfully in, in some very, very tough circumstances, but uh, it it just makes things really, it makes you wonder a little bit, and certainly when Zach Wilson gets back in that lineup, there's going to be a ton of pressure on him to perform at those levels. Would you play him this week? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I wrote a column this morning on ESPN.com saying I would go with White right now. Um, and, and some of that is based on just being ultra-conservative with Wilson's knee. And, and I, think, I think his knee is okay. Um, you know, they said it would be a two- to four-week injury, and so the Buffalo game on Sunday would be three weeks. And so he's going to practice on Wednesday, according to the Jets. Uh, if it were me, though, I would just take another week. Uh, I want to see more Mike White. Now, we all know the team. Zach Wilson's the guy. I mean, he's the guy in the present and the future. They're committed to him. That's not going to change. Um, I, I just think White has played the position at a higher level than Zach Wilson right now. And I have to look at the locker room. I have to take the temperature of their locker room. Uh, I mean, the guy gets hurt on a touchdown pass. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to for me, it's hard to take a guy out when really he did nothing to lose the job. And I would just roll with him for another week. What do, do I think that will happen? I have a feeling if you ask me that he will go back to Wilson. Uh, that's not any inside knowledge. That's just a gut feeling, you know, with Zach being relatively healthy and it being his job. If it were me, though, I would just go another week with White and see where it takes me. Rich, is Joe, will Joe Flacco play at all? <laughs> Are they going to have to trade him for a, a six-round pick? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's like he's their fourth quarterback right now. And, uh, no, I don't think he's going to play. I mean, I wouldn't play him. I mean, Josh Johnson's better than Joe Flacco right now. I, so, Joe is not going to play. I, I don't even know if he's active for any games. So, uh, I mean, Joe hasn't played since the preseason and, you know, he hasn't played in his offense in a long time. Why would I leapfrog him over the other three guys? So it looks like they gave up a third-round pick for nothing. I mean, a sixth-round pick for nothing. Um, I know some people are getting on Joe Douglas for that. At the time when he made that, look, I've been saying since the spring they should get a veteran in there in the spring. I was on the Nick Foles uh, mm. train back in the spring. They should have traded for Foles. Uh, they didn't want to do it at the time and pick up the salary. And at the time they made the Flacco trade, I understand why they did it. I don't think getting giving up a six-round pick is anything to get up in arms over. It's only a six-round pick. So I know it doesn't look great now, but I understand why they did it. Rich Amini is my guest. We're talking about the Jets here on The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. All right, Rich. This was supposed to be a team that identity is defense. We knew the secondary was young and was going to have some issues. But, Rich, this team (laughs) on Thursday night, they had no answers for the Colts defensively. The Colts' offensive line just pushed them around wherever they wanted to go. I mean, this in in many ways, this was worse than New England. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was – frightening the, with the ease with which 
the Colts scored. I mean, I think it was they scored on seven out of 11 possessions. And the, the staggering number, aside from going over 500 total yards and et cetera, et cetera, they averaged seven yards per rush before contact. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. that that is like just like mm. opening. It's like flying through you know, an easy pass lane with, uh, you know, with no traffic, you know, like the express lane on the easy pass. That's how large the holes were. And, I mean, the defensive line had a terrible game. I thought the linebackers had an awful game. And, I mean, look, C.J. Mosley has had a, a really good comeback season this year, but he had a terrible game as well. So did uh, Jared Davis. They were missing tackles. They were out of position. The safeties were nowhere to be found. Um, it, it was just an awful game. And, Larry, I, I looked this up. Right now, the Jets are giving up 30 points a game huh. and uh, 408 yards, I want to say. Those are the worst in franchise history. Hmm. I mean, it, right now they're on pace to be the worst defense in franchise history. And I knew this was going to be a rough defensive year just simply because when Carl Lawson went down in the preseason, I, I was just thinking this is going to be rough for the Jets. I didn't think it would be this rough because, uh, you know, Salah's a really good defensive coach. I think they have a good defensive staff, but it's just uh, – and now they lose Marcus May, you know, yeah. which is a really tough injury for them. The secondary is just is just a bunch of young kids and cast-offs now, so it's going to be rough for them the rest of the way. No question about it, and – Rich, they just cannot stop the run, huh? They, they're really struggling against the run. And look, I know 3-4, you really like the 3-4 because it helps you with the run and the nose stick and all the other stuff. But even with the 4-3, you're, you're not supposed to be giving up run yardage the way they are. Well, you know, it's a different style of defense. And, uh, you know, it, it's built – they're not the biggest guys, relatively speaking, uh, but it's built for speed. And when you're built for speed on the defensive line, uh, you have to play extremely gap-sound defense. I mean, the linebackers have to be able to fill the holes. One of the safeties has to come down to fill a hole. And the Jets just did not do that against Indianapolis. I thought they were thoroughly outcoached in that game, uh, outplayed, pushed around by the Colts offensive line, which was excellent. It was everything. And... Um, you know, when you play that style of defense and then you fall behind, which the Jets have been doing in most every game this year, uh, you know, it takes away your number one strength, which is speed and rushing the passers. So it, it's just a domino effect, and uh, they, they have to get it fixed. I mean, I think the team speed is something that has shown up, the lack of speed the last couple of weeks. You saw on that one touchdown run, uh, early, actually, a couple of the touchdown runs, they just took poor angles and couldn't keep up with those backs. Jonathan Taylor's outstanding, obviously, but um, team speed, I think, is something that has to be addressed in the offseason. No question about it. And they're not getting turnovers, so that's not helping them either, where you can get some plays maybe to stop some guys and get some momentum and, you know, just take the ball away and go the other way. They're just, they're not getting turnovers. Well, they have one interception on the year, and it's, it was by Shaq Lawson. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, you know, it's just yeah. any game. And you know, it's your defensive end to have the only interception on the team. It was a great interception, but I mean, come on. I mean, where, where, where's that? Where's the safeties, the corners, no picks at all? And you just play a lot of zone. If you're playing that much zone, you should be able to get some balls. It's just staggering how they have not been able to come up with any turnovers. And the Buffalo Bills are next. And obviously, this is going to be a Bills team. Listen, they're very talented anyway offensively, but they're going to have they're going to have a little anger in their minds when they face the Jets after this loss, embarrassing loss to Jacksonville where, I mean, Josh Allen looked like the Josh Allen as a rookie, not the Josh Allen that many people are saying one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think the Jets need to go to school on that uh, Jacksonville tape, whatever they did uh, today, and I haven't watched it that closely, but whatever they did, the Jets need to do. And then, you know, Jacksonville had the other Josh Allen who had a fantastic game today, and I I don't think the Jets have an edge player like him. So that was a a big problem for the Bills today. But uh, you're right, Larry, and now the Patriots, you know, I think we gave up on them a few weeks ago, but they have crept back into this race. And I think the, the Bills are probably looking over their shoulder. They're feeling those guys catching up to them. 
and uh, you know, so obviously it's it's a tough spot for the Jets. The Bills, I don't know where they rank right now after today, but they did have the number one defense, and it's it's just going to be tough. They will have a little extra rest, the Jets, so that'll help them. But they got to get a lot of things figured out uh, on both sides of the ball to have any chance to compete with the Bills. You know, it's funny. If you're a Jet fan, you're looking. It's the last thing, Rich. If you're a Jet fan, you're looking at the win over Cincinnati, and you're thinking, you know what? Hey, you know, Mike White, 400, 405 yards. Defense played decently. You know, we beat a really good team who gets blown out by the, by Cleveland today, 41-16. Uh, and now you're wondering, you're looking at Cincinnati like, are they that good? Are they struggling? Was that maybe they were not as good as we thought they were? Yeah, well, the NFL is weird. I mean, the Jets beat Tennessee, and Tennessee's beating up on the Rams right now. So yeah. it's uh, it's it's a very hard league to figure out. I mean, it's a war of attrition. Injuries are so much a factor in these games. You know, the Jets have hurt, certainly had their fair share of injuries, um, mainly on defense. I mean, it's weird. I mean, Corey Davis has missed the last two games, and the Jets' passing offense has been fantastic, you know, <laughs> without their number one receiver. So, mm-hmm. you know, you just – you know, they. I think Mike Lafleur. Uh, you know, a guy who I've been critical of left for a few weeks ago uh, because of we know what happened the first six games. I mean, the offense was terrible. I give him a lot of credit for for just uh, getting things together here. You know, and getting the offense competitive. And now his next challenge is to get Zach Wilson playing at a much higher level when he gets back to the lineup. I tell you, he made the use of his bye week, Rich. He, he redid his playbook, and it's been a totally different one since the bye week. It's it looked they look better offensively. It's just that now the defense, you know, is so bad. You you're putting your offense in the tough spot, and you know this this season was really, of course, fans want wins, obviously, but this season, let's face it, it's not about wins and losses. It's about seeing what Zach Wilson can do. So, on the other side, you kind of want to get him back in there because you want to see what he can do. Uh, but, you know, listen, uh, if Mike White continues to play the way he's played, Rich, Zach Wilson can just sit and continue to learn. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. This season is about Zach Wilson, and his, his development is paramount for this uh, franchise. And he, no doubt, is going to be the quarterback, you know, for what they hope will be many years. Um, and there's, you know, there's, there's a long, there's a lot of season left. You know, there's eight games to go, and there's time to do, plenty of time to do that. And I, I just think that the way the offense is functioning right now, um, you know, and Mike White, you know, uh, it'd be one thing if he played awful the other night and, uh, you know, and then got hurt, you know, but I think he's done a really good job. And I think we've seen what this offense can be when you have a quarterback who is willing to play within the structure of the offense and go through your progressions and take the second and third read instead of, you know, bailing out of the pocket and trying to play hero ball, which is what Zach Wilson was doing before he got hurt. And uh, I think Zach Wilson, being a smart guy, I think has witnessed that from the sidelines. So I think actually sitting out these couple of games will be beneficial for him and just seeing what, what, how the offense is supposed to function. And, and now they have his personal quarterback coach with him, hmm. which, you know, is a, is an odd you know, hiring a guy in the middle of the season to bring in mm-hmm. to help your quarterback is is kind of a weird thing. I don't know if I've ever seen that before, but be that as he's here. And so I think when Wilson gets back in the lineup, whatever that is, um, I think he should get better. Rich, keep up the great work. We're reading you on .com and we're listening to the podcast, The Flight Deck. As always, my friend, thanks for a couple minutes.